on Sagittarian Matters, musician Beth Ditto turns the tables and interviews me about being an artist, a writer, a miser, a punk femme, and more. Stay tuned. Ditto is a musician. She's formerly of the band Gossip and currently performs solo, supporting her new record, Fake Sugar. You can find her at BethDitto.com. I found her in her Portland living room where she turned the tables and put the mic on me and producer Ponyo. Here's a picture of me on OPB. It's the same headshot from 2003. There's looking for more. There's plenty to see. Swipe right. If the swipe is right. If the swipe is right. Beth Ditto, you are interviewing me. Welcome me to Sagittarian Matters. Welcome, Nicole George's to Sagittarian Matters. My, how the tables have turned. Thank you. It's so great to be here. Um, things that I'm wondering that your audience may not know about you, that you are actually the cheapest person I've ever met in my life. Do people know that? Uh, I don't know if they know that, but I may have less money than anyone else you know in your whole life. That is absolutely not true. (laughs) And I know for a fact that's not true. Um, I Googled your net worth. Um, looks like you got about 500 in the bank. (laughs) How's that going? It's going great, but I, I do have to live within my means. This I know. I know this. But do you call living within your means um, putting celery in your bunk on tour? I never put celery in my bunk. Oh, I think what you're talking about is that I was a resourceful vegan on tour with a bunch of non-vegans. And I never knew when I had access to vegetables whether I would Mm -hmm. see them again in the coming weeks. Mm -hmm. And so I would put them in a plastic bag or Tupperware and I would keep them with me so I could eat vegetables at any time of day. And then I got a standing ovation Mm -hmm. from gossip around Christmas time for being the least needy vegan. So you call cheap. I call resourceful. I call it resourceful to a point, but we're not just talking food here. Um, Is it true that you will take anything for free? Anything. Um, (laughs) Let's see. If I was throwing out a bra, and I'm a good 42 double D. What's your bra size, Nick? It's about maybe like a 34 C. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That might be almost be half of what I wear. <laughs> also, I'd like to say, for the record, on record, I'm the only one besides Nicole's family that is allowed to call her Nick. That's true. Um, th- is that true? If you're the only person aside from my family that's allowed to call me Nikki or Nick. Because it started as a joke. You inter- you were doing an impression of my mom. Sharp suit. Sharp suit, Nick. That's a Casper with a K, Nick. Yeah. You taught me that. Um, you taught me a lot about Casper suits. Um, it's like a J.C. Penny, nice brand of lady suit that my mom thought was real sharp. And those those are her words. Yeah, those are sh- sharp slacks. Nick, that's a sharp top. You know, I I don't know if many of your friends have gotten to see your mom's hair. No, I just was describing it to someone last night. Her hair is like a Syrian dictator. Mm. Like it's like fluffy and uh, it's like a Saddam Hussein's hairdo is my mom's hairdo. 
Yeah. Same style. I wouldn't disagree. I would also say that maybe it's, it might be a fluffier. It's hers is a little fluffier than his. The feminine version. It's like the coarse, fluffy Mm -hmm. dictator hair. Mm -hmm. Dictator hair. Dictate her. Yeah, you- I liked her. I loved her denim vest. I loved her matching denim skirt pants. <laughs> Maybe it was a long skirt. Did she wear skirts? I think she was probably. She could have been wearing a long denim skirt and a denim vest. Is that what she was wearing? I think it was a skirt. Was she going to climb the jungle gym that day? And as people, she was afraid people were going to see her panties. No, she wouldn't wear shorts. She would never have worn shorts around you. Also, how do you feel about the word panties? Because I don't ever say panties as a southerner. I would say panties. Oh, I would say pant panties panties. panties. I don't know. I feel like I would only say it if I was trying to sound dirty on purpose. Like, I would never, like, just, like, be like, I would say, like, oh, go to go get you. I don't have any clean underwear. I wouldn't say, like, my panties are dirty. Yeah, you would. Not I to, would call not you. Not now you. you will. Not to you. My panties are stinky. <laughs> my old stinky panties. That's a song my little sister made up when my mom was telling her to get in the bathtub. Get in the, get in the bathtub. Your get in the bathtub. She knows she was like, give me them old stinky panties. I like that your mom's use of the word stink about stuff. Like when she said, you better change your pad. That thing will start stinking. That thing will start stinking. Now that is my mother whose hair is a beautiful flowing old perm. She loves a perm and she loves to let it grow out for years and years. Yeah. No, my mom's had the same haircut since like 1984 probably. Or ni- ni- since the 70s. Since the 70s, my mom's had about the same hairstyle. But back to me being oh, resourceful. If you were asking me if you gave away a bra, oh that yeah, was this like is a great. Forty-six double D. Would I take it? Yeah, you would take it and use it I as would, a fruit bowl. I would consider it, but I probably wouldn't take it. You would, you would consider it. But strongly. I would consider it. Like it would go through my head's like cost benefit analysis bureau before I said Wait, no. I'll, I know how cheap you are. How? Okay, this is a great example. So, say I'm on forever. Say I have a Forever Twenty One dress. Oh yeah, and it has a tag attached, yeah. right? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm giving this away for free. And you're in L.A. and I'm in Portland. Yeah. You're like, hey, can you ship me that so that I can trade it in and get a different dress? I would not do that. Yes, you would. I would consider it. For one dress, what's the value? Forever 21? Yes, yeah, 20. Forever, but you could get a free dress for exchanging it. All right. I would do that. For See? T- <laughs> for the cost of the you're like you take, pay for the postage. You ship that right to me. Yeah. Like you'll- when you want to give me a bunch of shoes. Oh, yeah. Should I ship these to you? And I was like. Sure. Great. Yeah, but then I didn't because I was like, that's ridiculous. I'll give you a lot of shoes. It was a lot of shoes. Yeah. I have a lot of shoes. It was a lot of shoes. Because I think for me as a fat person, shoes and handbags, they always fit. You can rely on them. Mm-hmm. Whereas like clothes isn't as easy. If you like to shop. If we were the same size, I tell you what. Oh my, if, I'm glad we're not. Because... I would- I would be like unbuttoning your dress from the <laughs> back as you were wearing it. You'd be like, what are you doing? I, I do. There are times that I'm like, I would love to be able to give this to Nicole. Well, no, if you're unbuttoning the back, I'd be like, finally, it's happening. Nick. People that Nick. People don't, may not know this, that I have a butch alter ego named Josh. Yeah. That just loves Nick. That wants to be chivalrous to Nick. Do you want to tell them more about that? Well, I feel like at a certain point we discussed... Would you say dirty panties to Nick, to Josh? Yep. I mean, depending on how deep... I mean, the texting really doesn't get ever that dirty, but it's more jokey dirty, but... Yeah. Um, I think, you know, like amongst our friend group of people that are pretty feminine-ish, we say like, oh, you know, like someday if it didn't work out or, you know, whatever with mm-hmm. other people, like mm-hmm. we just trade the baseball hat back and forth. <laughs> 
you know, we could we could be together. We could figure out how to be together. We're all yeah. queer women. We'd figure it out. And we would pass the baseball cap back and forth to see who got to be the dude that night. And I would and feel satisfied if I could just do your makeup and never had to do mine. That's fine. It would, like, fill the void that I would miss. I'll just, uh, Yeah, I'm fine with wearing the hat. That's fine. And I would wear the hat sometimes. I don't yeah, care. Yeah. Nick, Nick's here. Nick's here. Nick and Josh. Lay back. Nick's here. <laughs> Lay down. Nick came over. <laughs> Assume the position. <laughs> See? And this is what we do. Okay. More about you that people may not know. Yeah. Um, is that you have a very sensitive side. You have a very sweet, sensitive side. You're a very tough... You have a very tough, um, take no prisoners, no holds, no holds barred. No holds. No holds or holes? Holds. Holds? You got to know when to hold them. No holds barred. No holds barred. If people, but people don't know that you can, that you're, you're a very fierce friend to the point that you will be in tears. I love you. Yeah. That you have, but what, what really, really makes you mad? What makes you so mad in life? Well, yeah, in your in life, yeah. What do you mean? Like, what'll set you off? Like, what makes what makes you like? So, like for me, I would think it's like I really hate injustice. Like, I really get really mm-hmm. upset, and I'm just like, it's just not fair. I mean, I got I was like livid last week. I can't say that I won't say the name of, but it's this company, Cheryl like, Teague. <laughs> This company, Cheryl Teague Incorporated, this company, like, oh, this is a great question. This company got me to do a bunch of work for something. And then when I tried to negotiate the price with them, they just were being unfair to me as an artist and they're a corporation pretending like they're a small town shop. And then when I tried to negotiate with them for money, they're like, oops, we just had you draw this thing, but we actually had someone do it in-house. Because and I was, already done the work. I was livid. I felt like they had, when people waste my time, I feel really upset. Yes. I feel angry when people waste my time because, you know, I'm so scheduled. Also because yes. I'm self-employed. Yes. So for me, my work hours could be 24 hours that day. And so when people are like, oh, we want to take up some of this time that you've already allotted to something else, I have to move a bunch of shit around to do yeah. it. So then when they're like, oops, psych, like you were on an artist retreat and just paused to work on our fucking corporate project. And then we pulled it at the last minute and treated you like your art was just as good as an intern's art. Who's not an artist. Like, yeah, I was livid. Not to mention that at one point you had realized you had also found out that they were using your art without yeah, people Any compensation or acknowledgement or permission. Yeah. But you know, like what my mom says, which is one of the, you know, only bits of advice that I'm she said excited. that I, but she would always say like anger covers hurt, which is true. Right? And yeah. anger is a secondary emotion. So my mm-hmm. first emotion is hurt. And like when I found out a company had used something I made for them and then put it on stuff that they were selling mm. and that then they had hired the poor man's Nicole George's to like redraw my character. So you know what Andrew says about poor man, what straight to video, straight to video version of Nicole straight George's to vid- straight to video to Nicole. copy my characters for, for them so they could save a buck. I felt bereft because at the time when I got that news, I was living in the middle of Vermont. I had no money. I was living on like $800 a month or something. I had like no fucking Mm -hmm. money. And I was like, well, at least I have my art. And then I didn't even have that. Yeah. And that hurt me so much that now when that happens, I just feel like rage. Yeah. Because it hurt me so much. I'm happy that you feel rage instead of like breaking down. Do you ever have moments when you, when the rage builds up? And then, I mean, there's just, yeah, but there's just like nothing to do. 
cry. Because like I'm not, I cry. Mm-hmm. I kick the dog. Does Ponyo? Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Does Ponyo lick your tears away? No, but I cuddle her. Pet her. It's like helpful. She's yeah. a, she's a kind dog. Beja, my old dog. If I was crying, she would like kind of raise her eyebrows <laughs> and be like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna be out here. Just like let me know when you can like I don't know when you when you're ready to help me. Done. Yeah. Um. She feels it was like uncomfortable for her. I don't. I really get mad in my personal life when people push my boundaries because I have to like work so hard to make a boundary. You so and then, I have had difficulties. Well, we our friendship is that you know I feel like I have gone on. I've tried to be more flexible, and, and I try to be more rigid. Yeah, we've both we come at each other. We're we're opposites in that way. We were good. We've been good for each other. Opposites I think in that way. I do too. Because like it's helped you be more flexible and helped me be more respectful of people's time. I'm like DJ Cool Cat. Is that his name from the Opposites uh, Attract video? Is it? Uh, is that DJ Cool Cat? DJ Crazy Cat or something? <laughs> Scat Cat. DJ Scat Cat. Literally, is it, it's his is name. It be, ba, ba, DJ yeah. Scat Cat. Yeah. You're Paula Abdul, and I'm DJ Scat Cat. <laughs> Why do you get to be DJ? Because you're a cartoonist. Because you're a musician, and I'm a cartoonist. Oh, okay. But, I mean, if you want me, I'll be Paula if you want. I could have just... I could have just... <laughs> you're like, you're the drunk, crazy one. I could have just... American re- Idol. Remember when she was crazy? I thought she was peeled out. Oh, I'm so peeled out. That is so <laughs> Arkansan. She's peeling. She's peeling out. She's peeling. And all she is is peeling out. We're both wearing black sweaters right now. We're sitting on your couch in Portland, we just got Oregon. Back from the gym. What is this? <laughs> is that sweat? I think that's food on your shirt. She's licking uh, it. It's navy bean soup. <laughs> Which one from is just beans. Up here they call it soup. Anyway, this isn't about me. This isn't about you. Okay, so that's what makes me mad is when people push my boundaries, waste my time. Mm-hmm. Because my time, I feel like on earth is limited and I'm trying to do the most fucking shit I can do. So when people divert me mm. and then I make space for them. And then I just like, Aah! and then, I mean, for like some things I'm like, shame on me, but also it just, that shame on me. P P O S me. What about boundary? Like, what about your family and writing about your family? How has that been? This is a common question for you, isn't it? It is a common question. Well, but I have a similar experience because well, you have a memoir that a lot of people in America don't know about. Yeah, called Cold Diamonds. That, not my idea. I did write that, in but the it song. was uh, written in conjunction with Michelle T. Yes, she helped you. Yes, she did. I she think it she turned did out it. beautifully. I can't read it. I honestly, I have to tell you, I have read different celebrity memoirs, and I've been like, it makes me appreciate yours so much because most of them are written like S H I T, and <laughs> the combo of your actual story with Michelle being able to writing like, it, put it forward is. Mwah. It's, mwah. it's a good combo. Also, Michelle and I, are, our birthdays are one day apart. You, Michelle T, Sarah Shapiro. She's an Aquarius, though. Three of Michelle. my best friends mm-hmm. all have birthdays within like 72 hours of each other. Which is funny because it's not a very typical combination. Um, writing about my family. <laughs> oh, I just burped. Sorry. Watermelon seltzer. Um, Watermelon Watermelon. Sorry. I smell, I smell it. I Sorry. Can't. No, I don't have a sense of smell. Oh, perfect. Anymore. Okay, great. Um, ever since the explosion. <laughs> so yeah, well. writing about my family, writing about my family was okay. I was trying to protect them a little bit and not just tell, wait, not necessarily writing about them yeah. as much as the aftermath. Like, did you warn them? No. Did you have conversations? Did you, you did try to protect them? Like, because we, because you've done interviews like that before, but like, did you, 
like afterwards so you didn't warn them at all i think that my sisters knew i was doing the book my mom i just had hoped that she like wouldn't have google by the time it came out but then she got google like one of her friends got google so then one of her, one of her friends her friends hi i got google her friend got google like they because my mom before had like aol you know yeah where your mom like maybe would put something in the aol search bar i don't but, even know if my mom's aware of aol right she's she's lol She's on Instagram. She writes me all the time. Oh, Myra loves it. Um, But my mom, I just, you know, I had told her, like, I did a comic about the dad thing. And then she was like, art therapy can be so powerful. And then... She is full of wisdom. But then it came out, and then she was mad. So she wrote me a mean review on Amazon. Gave me a (laughs) one-star review. Do people know this story? Because it's fantastic. It's amazing, this story. That she gave me a one-star review. But I didn't find the one-star review until later after we had kind of patched things up. Because when she found the book, she was mad. And she and my stepdad were trolling me. And, like, (laughs) sending me mean messages. And my stepdad, like, forbid me from talking about my, like, so-called father. And talked about how my supposed lifestyle had, like, really wrecked my mom. That being that I was gay. And then, um... And this isn't that long ago. This was, like, five years ago. Yeah. So, like, think about this. My mom, like, quasi-apologized once she actually read the book and she felt a feeling about it. But then, so I was like, everything's good. And then two months after that, I found the Amazon review she had written over the summer before she read it. And it was really mean. And it was like... I'm sorry. It is so funny to me. It's just like you would see this on a... You would see this on a sitcom. Where you'd be like... Maybe like thirty rock. It'd be like Jack's mom did that. Yeah, yeah. Well, what Beth Pickens when my mom wrote, I found my mom's review of Fetch. Beth Pickens said it's like if Joan Crawford had the internet. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) The Fetch review. What the Fetch review was. So I thought that this was all behind us. Shitty. She's like shitty, backstabbing, love mom, little bitch. It it was like. Like, time had gone on. I had actually never talked to my mom about the Amazon review because I was like, it's just like she did it in a moment of rage. It's fine. We're over it. We're past it. Did it it. hurt your feelings? It didn't hurt my feelings. I was... Did it hurt my feelings? I thought it was mean. Yeah. I didn't... But that's different. But it it wasn't like... I didn't expect more from her, but I was like... Like, I I never expected that my mom... Like, you know, my girlfriend at the time, I was, like, hiding the book from my mom. My girlfriend was like, she's probably going to be really proud of you. And I was like, you're out of your goddamn mind. You don't have a mom who has the brain chemistry of my mom. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not going to diagnose anyone with anything. Does she know about this podcast? No. I don't okay. think so. All right. Um, but um, so then when I found... But anyway, I found the Fetch review a few years later. Fetch, my new book. She wrote mm-hmm. another... I was like, oh my God. I'm I'm sorry, a, what was the name of the book? Fetch, How a Bad Dog Brought Me Home with Houghton Mifflin Mariner. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I heard about it on OPB. You heard on OPB. Mm-hmm. OPB. Mm-hmm. OPB. Um, As you can see. Right State of Wonder. Fool and you love me. Yeah. That's OLDB. <laughs> oh. so. Well... I found the Fetch review, and it was a one-star review, mm. and it was mean. It was just a character assassination. It had nothing to do with the book. It said I, just said I was, like, selfish and essentially, like, a shithead and a bad person. And, you know, it just didn't say anything about the book. Any, it was not about the book. It was about my mom reviewing me online and how she felt about me writing about her. Mm-hmm. And so then my friends actually flagged it and had taken it down as abuse because it oh. wasn't actually about anything except for... Her having a mean feeling about about me. Feeling like I had exposed her for something without actually reading the book. Now, can I ask you a question that I think is a fantastic idea, personally? Yeah. Fire with fire. Have you ever thought about putting that on the back of your book and being like, Nicole's mom? Because that's pretty hysterical. I have not. That's what I would do. If I was you and that was my book, I would absolutely do that. But would you do that now if your mom got mad about your book? Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that's the kind of person I am. I feel like that's the key to, like... 
I just like, I love turning things around and being like, this is how, this book is so deeply about this, that this is going to drive home the point. That this person really got upset that this book existed because it is pretty accurate. And exactly. And also like, I haven't thought about that because I just want to have like a harmonious time with her. Well, don't you think that she would think it was, does she have a sense of humor? Depends. Does any, do your sibling, do you have one? Because I, I don't. I don't really. I'm not known for that. I'm no, known for my yeah, ferocity. Yeah. And occasional tenderness. Yeah. Friends, have you ever wanted to enjoy good vegan cheese and run into a few problems? Well, those days are over. Try a new Urban Cheesecraft Vegan Cheese Mix. Available in 10 varieties, including brie, pepper jack, and creamy macaroni and cheese sauce. You customize your cheese with a base of nuts, seeds, veggies, or beans, and then you can add kimchi, fresh herbs, or hot peppers if you want. Solid wheels take 30 minutes, and melty sauces just 15. Find the mixes and how-to videos on urbancheesecraft.com. Yeah, well. What's the glue that keeps our for a relationship together? <sighs> At history, we love the same things. It's funny. I think we both like to laugh, but we both are very serious <laughs> about loyalty. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things. St- fashion. What we have a lot of crossover in style. We both queaked in 2004. <laughs> Wait, what is the Portland Olympia kind of like ethos? Or what do you think it means to be like... Queer punk femme person in the world. Wow, that's too Because that's something that no matter what... Queer punk No matter what, person. if you and I were like at a weird cocktail party in Los Angeles on a rooftop with a bunch of celebrity kind of people, we would still have this like thing in common, even though... Even if we were wearing the same clothes as them. Yeah. You know? Well, the, that's the thing is that you... You have that feeling, don't you, where you're like... You look... Maybe you look the same. Maybe... But like, it's just not... Like, the language is different. The expectations are different. Like, you're socialized differently. You're aware of different kinds of things. Like, you're more sensitive, maybe. And I think that when that happens, though, like, it's, like, there's only so far you can go with a group of people, like, relating to them. So, like, it's not, like, sometimes you're just like, what do we talk about? It's not like you talk about being queer all that long. You're like, girlfriend, I am queer too. I know what you mean. Finger bangs? Yeah, woo. Finger bangs. <laughs> Had to curl my finger with my bangs. Now I got finger bangs. That's a very long joke I wrote. That was a good joke. But I thought, it, I didn't realize it till I went away to Vermont and I was living amongst mostly straight people. Don't know what you got till it's gone. It's a great Cinderella song. That was, that was how I felt. I felt like that Cinderella mm-hmm. song. Well, yeah. I felt like I was Tell like, us oh, about Vermont. Vermont? Mm-hmm. I left you. Yeah, you did. I broke up with my partner, killed my dogs. I mean, all that stuff happened within a few months as my dogs both passed away. And my my partner and I broke up. And then I was like, well, what have I always wanted to do that I couldn't do because of my dog? And I was like, do a fellowship at the Center for Cartoon Studies is something I wanted to do that I couldn't do because of my dog. Which is a big deal that you got in. Which was a big deal. Yeah. 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 It's like a prestigious thing. And so I, I got to go do a fellowship. So I moved away from all my best friends at a time when I was grieving really intensely. Yeah. I left all my best friends and I went to live in the middle of fucking nowhere in Vermont and just work on comics a bunch amongst a bunch of 
straight people who are lovely and they're still in my life, but it just was culturally very different. Culturally, exactly. There like, were what there, do you? Yeah, yeah. Your deepest feelings they can't connect to you on, or things that matter to you every single day that are so different. It's different to be queer than to be gay, yeah. and it's different to be a queer punk than to just be like a lesbian. Yeah. Like there's different kinds of gay people and I am so acquainted to living in a bubble with a certain kind of gay so, person. Yeah. And I think we, I think everyone is certainly. Yeah. But it's just like, you know, like if you and I went to like a like gay pride party somewhere in the Midwest that was Pensacola. just like, like, yeah, like, like gay guys that essentially are living within like a capitalist kind of straight dude where they end, but just happen to mm. like dick. We would be like, oh, culturally, we have something in common with them, and then we're family members, but we're very distant family members. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. But, like, did you, were there any queer people there? There was, like, some bi-curious people, and there was one I lesbian. know a really great stand-up comedy, comedy place where they're welcome anytime. Really? Mm-hmm. There was, uh, oh, is it Temporary Lesbian Bar? Oh, yeah. Um, then there was uh, a lesbian that worked on staff that, like, was was really refreshing, Um, but for the most part, it was, no, it wasn't people like here. And remember, like I decided to go on a date with a straight man after go, I tried to find gay people. And so I I really liked him. He was really nice. But I I went to Burlington, Vermont because our friend's band, the lovers was playing. And I was like really excited to see gay people. I hadn't seen my friends or anything in a long time. Lovers was a band from Portland of three queer lesbian people. And then I show up and the opening band, I had Googled them and it said that the lead singer was a lesbian who was married. And I was like, oh my gosh, great. So the lead singer shows up and I'm like, oh my gosh, hi, it's so nice to meet another gay person. You know, I've been in the, I've been here for months and I'm so excited to see you. And they were like, um, <laughs> I don't even know if I identify that way. And I was like, oh, okay, sorry. And then they, cause like maybe they're trans or queer. Or mm. I don't know what they actually didn't clarify for me what they did identify as. And then they were on stage with their fucking band and into the microphone they were like <laughs> somebody asked me if there were any gay people here i said there's probably some queers and then like they said it in a way like they were trying to roast me and they thought the whole crowd was going to be like who 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 fuck people that say the word gay but i just nobody did that because like no one understood what they were saying and why it was a diss but i yeah. turned to our friend kirby and i was like did they just try to like make fun of me from stage and she was like yeah and i was like okay i was like well Fuck the small town gay people of Burlington, Vermont. I wanted to be your friend. I think what the word you're looking for is fuck the small town queer people. Fuck the small town queer people. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Wow, how like, have you not learned? I moved. I moved from Kansas City to the big city, and now I don't even know. But I just was like, "Are you kidding? I'm trying to be your friend, and we're on the same fucking side. All you need to do is tell me how you'd like to be addressed, because that's all. And I will be happy to address you the way you want, but you don't need to ridicule me in public for it." I think this is a good question too on the on that topic. It's like how do we deal with divisiveness and like good intentions versus, you know, even ignorance or whatever. And also like do you ever feel like the like we because twenty years ago we were seventeen. And so now there are seventeen year olds and do you feel like we're there's a language that we haven't tapped into because things have changed so much. Mm. You like speak for yourself. Um, I'm like very hip. No, I don't know. Like, you know, like Rocco worked at Buzzfeed 
with a bunch of 23 year olds mm-hmm. and he thought that he was like really down mm-hmm. and then after and he's our age mm-hmm. and after he quit they were like you know we always saw you as like that steve buscemi gif where steve buscemi has his hat, <laughs> his hat backwards holding a skateboard he's saying what's up fellow kids <laughs> and the shirt says music band <laughs> yeah. in the acdc font yes. <laughs> and he has that's like a, one of my favorite and he has like a backpack over one shoulder <laughs> Wait, they said that to him? Toronto. I think that's the thing, is that, like, having nieces and nephews especially, and, like, who are, like, 18, 19, like, 16, I'm always like, nah uh I think that's why I get points with them sometimes, is because I'm always like, I don't know what you're talking about. They were like, they were like, this is lit. (laughs) I'm like, you mean literature? That's cool. Don't be savage. I aced it. Don't be savage. This is lit. And like, don't say savage. That's a weird word. I mean, I don't know. I think it's easier for people to be... I don't feel divisive with younger people. I just feel like... No, I'm, like, I'm not talking about divisive with the younger people in particular, but like that situation when it does feel really divisive and you're uh, like, actually, I'm reaching out to you and I'm looking for a community. It's like instead of... Do you think the person was young? They were young-ish, but I think that they were just... I think... I mean, I don't know. Sometimes when you're you're in a small place, you are so into an us versus them mentality that then maybe you get a little overzealous and forget the people that are actually on your side. Nathan was that way when we first met. When we were kids. He was so had his 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 guard was up so much because of the way he'd been treated for so long and like letting people into his small group of people. I think that's the thing about punk. When people think that like punks or queers, like you have a scene or a community. Like, I think people mistake, like, being elitist or, like, being, like, like what is it called? Pretentious mm-hmm. with – and maybe even self-righteous with people just being protective mm-hmm. because it is really – like, it's really important. And it's, it's just so hard to find your people already. And when you do, you just – you feel really – like it's so it. fragile yeah and you had to work really hard to find it so once you find it you just don't want anything to happen to it it's so delicate yeah, yeah. i mean you were the one that said to me before and i really appreciate it you were like we're all on the same side like when your family members would say something to you and they said it imperfectly right instead of you like stopping and being like Err, like you're a fucking asshole i'm throwing you out with the bathwater, you would be like oh well we're at the end of the day we're on the same side right they did it imperfectly but they're still trying to support me yeah and i yeah well i didn't want i'm not gonna ride off i think i i've definitely apologized to my mother for being a really really self-righteous 22 year old you know and like when i think about those years i cringe a little bit and i you know it's like and i see it in my younger siblings too they're like oh, not siblings but nieces and nephews like oh my god you know like i'm like i was you once and yeah, I mean, that was 15 years ago and how much I've learned since then. But I definitely felt the need to apologize to my mom for like rolling my eyes at her or like whatever. But now it's especially being older. It's just like there's so much room for forgiveness because when I moved to Ar- when I moved from Arkansas to the Pacific Northwest, I had no idea about so many things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Up, I don't know, like what words to use, what words were offensive like, I would grew up thinking, this is pre-internet, so you just didn't Google something. It was like, if you wanted to know something, you had to look at an encyclopedia. And trust me, ours were not up to snuff. Like, they were ancient. But, so, like, to find things out, it's like, if you weren't exposed to culture, if you weren't exposed to different things, you didn't know the right words to use. Or, like, you didn't even know about things. You didn't even have a phone. I didn't even have a phone. That's true. So, dial up. You had to, like, walk to use a phone. Yeah, you had to walk to use a payphone. Of course you did. So, like, how are you supposed to find out, like, next level identity politics? It gave me, yeah, exactly. It gave me empathy for those things, and it made me learn that it just taught me that, like, people don't always mean to be 
and well, treating people like they're idiots can be exactly what you can give you the results exactly that you don't want. Because I don't want to be the kind of person who's like, I'm enlightened and smarter than you so that because I want people to feel excluded. Like I want to be like, I hope that if I have any information that can be helpful, that it'll make people feel included and want to learn more because that's all I wanted to do. And thankfully, when I moved to Olympia, there were people who forgave me for saying really offensive things because they knew that I didn't mean anything bad by it. Yeah. Then I feel really grateful for that. I'm turning the tables on you. What makes you mad? Really, really mad. What makes you want to yell? I don't get mad that often. Like, I'm not... I wish I got more... I wish I got angry more often. But I've never been able to really access that part. I get frustrated and fed up. But, like, Mm -hmm. anger... What leads to your fed up? The last time... You know, when I was 11, I'll tell you, let me tell you a story. What are the colors? Anecdotes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, when I was 11, I had this friend named Sabrina with an E. Okay. Seb Rena. I'll never forget that. I was like, who does that? Anyway. And um, somebody out there is like, I, me, my mom did. Anyhow, her dad was such a piece of shit. He sucked. Um, He was always like, he was just always really cruel to me. And like, I sometimes men, even as a small kid, like I wasn't afraid to stand up to them. Like, like I, especially like either your parents loved me or they hated me. Cause I was just not afraid to be like, I don't think so. You know? And also I was really witty and I think men really thought that was threatening. So I thought he was, I thought he was also really cruel and strict to his daughters and I didn't like him. And one day he, I guess one, it was an evening. He, they lived across the yard from us and he was like trying to like, he was like confront me or like talk, but it felt like a confrontation. Remind you, I'm a fifth grader. And he's like, why don't you, why don't you like me? And like confrontational, not like in a way he was also going to school to be a teacher. And I, not in a way that was like sitting down talking to a child like I would do now. Like be like, can we talk about something? It seems like there's something between, you know, not gently, but like confrontational, like an adult. And I just blacked out. And the last thing I remember is being like, because I hate your guts and spilled it all and blacked out. And the last thing I remember is being halfway to the, like halfway through the yard and on the way home. Like anger doesn't. Anger makes me, like, it can make me blind. Like, it makes me, like, I can't remember. Did you ever find out what happened? No, I just told him everything I thought about him. And, like, his whole family was in the kitchen. And his mom, his wife agreed. It was pretty amazing. But, you know, I knew she hated him, too. Everybody talked about how much they hated him. His kids, his wife. They eventually got a divorce. But was it was injustice or what? What is the thing that makes you, like, super mad? But that's the thing is it's, like, I guess... Like, you may not express it all the time. Right, but I don't know. It's like, even if I'm, I don't really feel, the way that I see other people feel anger, it's like, it's different. I can't explain it. It's not something, not something that happens that often. Mm -hmm. But I guess, like, I guess I don't like, like, people, like, I, I guess, like, stepdads. (laughs) Like, I always get so angry. I don't know. It's like, I don't know. It's a very hard question to answer. Mm. Anger. Upset? I get upset. And mostly just like... What upsets you? Like the world. (laughs) (laughs) 
the world she's doing a pantomime of like smoking a joint to, i think we all do we have to take breaks but like i get i was always that kid that got really maybe because we were the we are the world generation like we were like prime time little kids in that and i really think that had a lot a big effect on me i think it did on our generation i really do and then we was like followed by the 90s and it was like a very aware like generations like the 80s we are the world gives like like empathy for the world and children who are starving like yeah like that kind of thing and like still to this day i will just get so upset about injustice about yeah injustice and then just like suffering suffering makes me so upset like when you see it it could have been avoided or the people that are causing it or like yeah it makes me so so upset like i think that sounds really of course it does but it affects me very deeply, and it will make me very depressed. I go for I don't go to anger. I go to depression. Hmm. I'm a Pisces. You're a Pisces. Mm-hmm. I we were talking about how sensitive. I'm I'm teaching seventh graders right now. We were talking about how different we each were in seventh grade or in the elementary school. That you could not stop talking in class to save your life. True no. or false? I talked. Yeah, I was con- everything was like joy to have in class. Talks constantly, but talks constantly i would like you if you were my class i would still friends i would still but if i was your teacher right now i would still like you and have you having you in class but i also be like okay beth hey beth that was that was my entire school career all the way up to 12th grade i was the opposite i was trying to blend into the wallpaper and not be noticed and i was never at school i was trying to like live on the fringes of society by like and if you're never at school then you don't have to be doing the work the stuff that the other kids are doing because you get to do some weird fucking work worksheets to just because the teacher's like well you're not caught up with class you've been gone for like two weeks we're working on this huge project that we've been building <laughs> on by learning things either ever but so why then, didn't we go to school i just didn't like it and how did we get away to. with that i just faked sick every day or i really was sick because i had horrible stomach problems oh, so i just my mom just didn't make me go well yeah my mom was easy to manipulate mm. too because she was so busy and like stressed yeah. out and just didn't want to deal that i would just be like eh, eh, i'm sick I feel like that happens to a lot of, like, later in life babies of the family, too. Because it's like, by the time they come around, the mom is just like, already done this. Yeah, she's like, you'll be fine either way. Yeah. We'll yeah. figure it out. She's like, you know what? I did all of the uh, hardcore mothering on the other two. Well, my sister confirmed that that was not what was happening as oh, much yeah. as I thought it was. But oh, that's true. When my sister read my book and she's like, there were not maternal resources for that. But when I was a kid, I was, like, so freaked out by the teacher yelling at us and being mad at us. I did not like getting yelled at. I did not want to be part of that. And so when kids were talking in class, I was like, what are they doing? Because I just, at some point in elementary school, I was like, I hate this so much. The teacher's yelling at us. I see the formula is if you talk in class while the teacher's talking, then they get mad at you. Okay. I'm not going to talk during class. I think. And that was it. And I just was like, would try to just like blend into the wall. Yeah. I knew kids like you. Crystal Butler was like you. But my favorite was making people like you laugh. I would have loved it. Oh, God. It was my favorite is to make kids like you break. And their moms hated it. Oh, my God. Hated it. I mean, it was class clown. I was voted class clown twice. You were? Yeah. I I mean, I went to a very small school, though. Really small. But, like, I always think the thing that when I when I hear you when you say that like you kind of you learned the like you learned the the formula like yeah. you're like I think people always looked at, at me and people like me like we didn't learn that will they ever learn that this is what causes that no the thing is is we didn't care 
Yeah. But I think that was a big difference. It's like I learned a, a lot. I learned later in life that I wasn't lazy. I just had willpower and would rather do anything else than something I did not want to do. Like if it was something that didn't like working at a subway did not interest me at all. And so like, yeah, if I can get by with 12 hours a, a week, that's what I'm going to do yeah. because I would rather do spend my time doing anything else. And it took me a long time to learn, to realize that like, oh, that's what school, that's what people mean by like the capitalist system and school and setting people up for that. It's like, I wasn't designed for a nine to five job where I had to sit still all day and most children aren't. And then you learn that, oh, that's like what school was. And now it you, was setting you up for that. Well, it's the same thing. We, you had a, a I didn't, it's like, I haven't learned. It's not that I haven't learned what the formula is. It's that I just cannot plug that formula in. It's against, I just cannot do it. Yeah. Well, and now you work for yourself. Yeah. And the thing that you do delights people and you're working to your maximum capacity of delighting the world. I you had a that. weenie roast the other day. We were talking about this. Our other friend, Jesse, works for himself. Yeah. He was the same in class. He had like ADHD. He just couldn't. He had so much energy and he was so smart, but he was not going to be doing the school thing like they wanted him to. So teachers were always like, Jesse, Jesse, stop drumming. Jesse, this. And he has all that energy and now he uses it. Yeah. He works for himself. He like has designed his own job where he gets to use his brain and use his body and like drive around town and. Work to his maximum yeah. capacity. And for himself, which is like, that's the thing that just dawned on me recently, that that's what, I, I mean, what is the word? That's what the capitalist system is. And not to bring it there, but to bring it there. But what's so crazy about it that did not dawn on me until later was, oh, like, you know, when you go to a place like Arkansas and the only jobs, you know, that people are like, they don't want to work. They just want to live off welfare. Well, it's like, guess what? Some people don't want to work at Best Buy. And because it is, a, it it's, depletes them. And some people are fantastic at it because it doesn't take anything away from them. And it doesn't make them lazy. That was the hard thing to learn is that we are set up in this system that tells us that, like, if you aren't willing to do the most, you know, whatever you consider to be the most dull or unfulfilling or, like, absolutely, like, brain-numbing work – and like stand all day doing something that you don't care about. If you're not willing to do that, then you have no willpower and you're lazy. Well, what I learned was exactly the opposite. That actually I had a lot of willpower and motivation to do anything but that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do it through college like you didn't. We didn't do it through college. Neither did Jesse. It's like those. all oh, we did it in our own crazy way and it worked. And the only reason it did work is because we moved away and found – our own way through our own path. And I feel like there's so many people in like, like people like where we came from that don't always find that path and end up spending their life feeling so bad about themselves. And I hate that. I mean, that's the kind of thing that makes me upset. Today's episode brought to you by Urban Cheesecraft, Mary Pinson, Shoshana Ruth Wechter, Christy Harrod, Madeline Sturm, and Jamie Beth Rabin. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, including producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $10, $5 million, that's your business, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet like the insect, leg like its appendage at gmail. Thank you for your support. And we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. 
producer Panya looks forward to it too. Don't be scared. That's just how the dog talks. Thank you. Can we talk about how poor you were when you moved to Olympia? Yes, we can. My favorite story is about you and your best friend buying a double-headed dildo and then cutting it in half. You know what know, Nicole Georges would call that? A huge savings. A huge savings. You, neither of you had enough money for one dildo. Mm-mm. But you could get a double dong. <laughs> it's still to this day, this is going to be made. Watch out Etsy. A double necklaces that say best friends and it's a double dong split in half. That's you I and Jerry. I want that necklace so bad. That's me and Jerry. But then it's going to look like you just have a dick hanging on your neck. Does yeah, that matter? Yeah, it's a half a dick. But it'll be like cut like the middle like a heart. Mm-hmm. Or maybe what happens is it's a heart and the arrow is a penis, a double dong. Mm-hmm. And then that's broken in half. That part. I'm full of ideas. Et- call me Etsy. Who is Etsy anyway? Etsy just, there's a lot of different people that could sell stuff on Etsy. So anyone listening to this podcast could make this necklace and then put it on Etsy. I just want, I just want credit with that story because they just have to put that story out there. Okay. That's all. Because then I'll buy the necklace. I just want, I just want him to wear half that double dong. B Fry Street Ends. Done. Best friends. <laughs> we have matching tattoos. We do have matching tats. I have two Nicole George's originals. Lil Sis. Lil Sis on my ankle. You're welcome, world. I have a lot of very hilarious typical tattoos. You got that tattoo on your ankle, and while you were getting it, it was at this place where these men were saying misogynist oh. things about Madonna, and I was like, let's just get through it. I'm pretty good at no- like just being like, whatever. Like Nicole was seething inside, and I was just like, boop, 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 boop. Like in my brain, I'm so good at dissociating. You're like, especially during a tattoo. I'm not. You're just like floating. Your spirit's floating across the room. Yep. And I'm just there, being like, oh god. Hi, Nicole. Long time listener, first time caller. Um, I've been in a few bands, mostly playing instruments, but lately I've been singing in bands. And melody and phrasing come pretty naturally to me, but I really struggle with lyrics. Um, so. My current process is just kind of mush-mouthing and eventually fitting lyrics into that. Um, but I want to push myself to do better and give the lyrics the attention they deserve. Do you have any tips or writing exercises or prompts that you think might help with writing lyrics? Thanks so much. Though I think that's normal. That's what everyone does. And the, what you really have to do is get comfortable. I think the hardest part of lyrics is the intimacy and the vulnerability of getting the ideas out of your mouth because usually when you are a singer and your melody comes easily, the words are actually already there. Once you've played the song a few times, like your brain like already is like starting to mold an idea. I I really think it sounds similar to what I do. Like I do, I never sit and write a poem. Some people are good at that, but I'm not Paul Simon. Get out of here with that. You know, I'm not going to like, I'm not Patti Smith. I'm not going to be like, a, like some like lyrical genius that way. Cause I'm not a poet. I don't identify that way. But as far as like melody and song come together, those words are going to shape the rest of what you write. So it's like, you already have your theme. So if, if you're singing, like, if you find yourself being like saying the word love, which is always one, it's like, well, you know what the song's going to be about already. And so that it'll take shape by itself. And that's really nice. And just keep doing what you're doing, freestyling, like with your, like when the words and the melodies together, like the way the melody sounds in your mouth. If you're using one sound, if you're like, doing da, 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 then maybe D is the word you need to go with. I don't know. That's the letter you need to go with. That's what I do. 
I feel like the thing that you said about being vulnerable is just like a, it's a skill. It's like you have to practice being vulnerable in public, but it doesn't, it's like, it doesn't just come naturally necessarily. Like you Mm -hmm. practice it and it feels uncomfortable at first, but then you know you're onto something. Yeah. That's how I feel about writing. Like, you know, you start writing out something embarrassing and you're like, I can't tell people this. Well, that's, that means that's the thing that you need to tell people. Yeah. And also like, is this good? That's irrelevant. That doesn't matter. Like if, whether it's good or bad, I think with a song, it's not my, it's not my opinion. Like whether it's good or bad is not my decision. It's like, if I'm content with it or happy with it, that that's just me though. I'm not saying I would tell somebody else to do that, but it's all, it's really free for me like to, to let it go and be like, it's its own person. Now I always think about songs and, and, um, albums is having a kid and like there's a gestation period there's like okay I got pregnant it's like now what do I do that's when you're like no you're gonna write a record and then you're like now it's gonna develop inside of my body that's so gross I know but think it works though yeah. because then it's like then you're like finally finally it's finished and it's time to give birth to that to that thing and then you give birth to it and then eventually you nurture it you do what you can like maybe you do interviews you go on tour and eventually it has its own life and its own relationship to the world and the only thing that you can do is just be supportive of it mm-hmm. you know and that's all you can do that's and like what people think about it is is really irrelevant and i think that's a, that's what's took took me a while to learn but also like you can't like like the vulnerability of it never goes away for me like i'm still not used to it i still i hate listening to take backs like whatever take what is it called What's a take back? back? What is it called? No, it's not called a take back. I am also like... B-sides? No, no, no. Like, I hate listening to playbacks. I hate listening to playbacks. Um, I don't like to give people the lyric sheet during production and recording, which is really important. And if people don't have it, it's really hard to make a record and like go through the record and be like, okay, we need to do this part again. Or, you know, you need to sing this line again. It's really hard to do that if people don't know what they're referencing. So I had to learn to be really brave and be like whatever, whatever they think about this is none of my business. I just need to do it. That's my favorite thing. What you think about me is none of my business. True. It's true. True that. Teddy's here. Teddy's here. No, I feel too vulnerable. Really? Mm-hmm. Hearing me embarrassed when he comes mm-hmm. in. Like if you, you know, you're listening to your radio interview. Yeah. I could never have done that around people ever. Beth, thanks for interviewing me for the podcast. Any last questions? Um, no, I'll think of them when I'm asleep. Good, good. Perfect. Oh, also for the, the, you know, for that lyric person, just remember either Let It Be or Yesterday by the Beatles. Like, um, Paul um, McCartney just said, scrambled eggs, scrambled eggs. Or maybe it was scrambled eggs. All my troubles seem so far away. So it was scrambled eggs for like ever before he thought of yesterday or let it be i can't remember which song it was so you kind of just figure how many syllables you want fit in that part and then something yeah. will come to you yep yep also thesaurus.com yes yes thesaurus.com how do i say it in a different way sagittarian matters is produced by chris sutton with assistance by ponyo george's Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.